It's a great honor to be here with e-patient Dave. Dave DeBroncart, how are you, sir? I am terrific. Well, good. I always bump into you in some interesting place. Today we're at Health 2.0 here in Santa Clara. Um, tell us what you're up to uh, today and, and most recently. Evangelism, baby. Uh, uh, Spreading the word on a new way of thinking. Which is, you know, earlier we were talking about um, how almost this phase one mission accomplished where yeah it's what does that mean it's amazing well it really it helps to look at the history so eight years ago in april 2009 which was two years after my life was saved from stage four kidney cancer uh, I wrote a blog post about garbage in my medical record and it ended up on the front page of the Boston Globe and people started asking me to give speeches because I seemed to understand something about data quality and health IT that the people working in health IT didn't understand. Now, I never would have said to the Boston Globe, you guys should write about me on page one, but they saw something. And it turns out that, you know, with the onset of electronic medical records, data quality is a big deal because if the data, people talk about big data, if the data they're analyzing is crap, mm. right, it's going to spit out high volumes of insane garbage. So are and, we making progress? Well, so we, uh, I, I ended up falling down this sort of Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole where I got invited to talk at policy meetings in Washington and uh, speak at medical conferences uh, about patient access to the medical record. People at first thought that it was a crazy idea. We wouldn't understand what was in there. Then it turns out that a real problem is that patients commonly found mistakes in what the doctors had written there. Right. And other advocates like the famous Regina Holiday. Uh, became big spokespeople for it. Anyway, here we are eight years later, and it is no longer a, a big deal question mark. Yes, we have the first wave of the cultural revolution has been won. And now my speaking business has shifted to internal corporate meetings and associations, like companies that want to train their employees to think differently about this, which includes awakening them as consumers of health data. So you've been, over the last eight years, traveling the world spoken hundreds of times, yeah. uh, I don't know how many continents, but many, <laughs> uh, and what have you noticed? What, what you, what's going on globally? What, the, the, what? the beautiful thing about it is that people are seeing that this makes sense. It makes sense for them as individuals to be involved with their uh, their own health care. So the that patient having control of their own Data. Or, or at very least access. Yes. Now, my personal belief is that if that data is about me, then it's almost criminally wrong to not let me see it. You know, I just somebody just said and this is an international, global, cultural issue. Somebody just tweeted today that in the UK, even though by default patients have access to all our records, the doctor is allowed to say, in my judgment, that would not be a good idea for this patient. Well, excuse me. For, right. For whose benefit did you create the stupid data? Right. So take us over the, you know, into the future. What still needs to happen? What progress do we still so need to make? The big shift, the big shift that is just barely beginning to happen. You know, it's funny. People talk about compliance, like the patient was not compliant with the doctor's orders. Well, it turns out there's a very strong correlation between that problem and two factors. One is, is what you want me to do usable? And of course, in all other industries, usability is a major factor. Uh, but the other is, did you give me this goal or is it something I care about? 
No, and that's the 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 cultural assumption in the the medical paradigm is it's hard to get the medical degree, and so I mean, what could patients know that would be valuable since they don't have the medical degree? And it turns out that if the whole care encounter originates with the the saying that enlightened people are using these days is they're shifting from so what's the matter with you to so what matters to you, right? What are your goals for your care? Right. Uh, and that's so. But this is a power shift, uh, as big as racial justice and feminism. And commonly, the people who have the power are often hesitant to give it up. Right-thinking, forward-thinking doctors like my physician, Dr. Danny Sands, or other doctors in our Society for Participatory Medicine are all about. Look, it's your health. You know how your life is going. What can I? How can we work together? Some are not, but viva la revolution! Huh? <laughs> the data revolution. Um, so, what what are you most excited about? What what gives you hope? What gives what gets you going now? I love apps and gadgets that let me figure out what works for me. Uh, it's funny because I have never uh, been a physically fit person. You know, I've been a computer-using, butt-sitting, couch potato, desk potato, laptop potato. Uh, and three years ago, I got diagnosed as pre-diabetic, type 2 diabetes. Uh, my hemoglobin A1C was a little bit elevated. First thing I did was I went out and got a wristband to start counting my, tra- my steps. And over the Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays, my weight went up. So right. the first finding is information alone doesn't change behavior. But then I got into the YMCA's Diabetes Prevention Program uh, and started tracking my diet with their advice, not micro detail, just very high level food awareness, and just started walking more. Uh, and I lost a lot of weight. And after a year of going for more walks, my feet started saying, come on, let's trot. Well, at the age of 66, for the first time in my life, I ran a mile. And now I do five days and I've lost 46 pounds. I'm on my second round of having to buy skinnier clothes. And I, as I said, I have never been an athletic or physically fit person. But it was, there was my motivation. I did not want to become type two diabetic. Advice for entrepreneurs and innovators. What should they be thinking about as they're building the next generation of solutions to keep putting the patient first? Well, well, exactly. But I'm, so, I'm an MIT graduate. I don't just think, think lovely thoughts, kumbaya, and, <laughs> and everything will get better. I want to know functionally what happens differently, right, when patients are effectively engaged in, in pharmaceutical terms. What's the mechanism of action by which patient engagement can lead to a different outcome, right? And that's a challenging thing to figure out, but I assert that if you don't think that out, you cannot possibly be designing the optimal solution. You know, and it's it, it really starts from what are the practical needs. I said at the policy town hall uh, on Sunday, I said to, to ONC, please bring in more consumers, activated consumers who are really thinking and doing, and find out from them how policy and innovations could uh, really help, and I'm, I'm just confident. A little-known fact about my past is that 30 years ago, I lived through disruptive innovation, 
when the industry where I was a big shot got disrupted by desktop publishing. Mm -hmm. And people like you with no training at all in, in print production had the ability to start using fonts. An mm -hmm. important thing that happened there that led to the disruption was that the person with the need got to design the workflows. Right. Right. And that's the vision. If you try to fit into today's workflows, you will be perpetuating the past. It may be a perfectly valid business model, but you'll be missing the future. What are your thoughts on, there's a whole maker movement in health where people, patients themselves are uh, starting to build in their garage. <laughs> Dana Lewis, do it yourself pancreas, absolutely. Do you, do you, do you know? What are, of course, what, what do you think the, um, the impact of this will be? What, do you, what are you most excited about? What? Well, so a, a, a really, anybody who hasn't learned about the do-it-yourself pancreas, uh, uh, APS, artificial pancreas systems, really needs to learn about it. Because, number one, it started out of patients, the people with the problem, being frustrated by industry failing to deliver for decades. Mm -hmm. So there's this hashtag, we are not waiting. Right. Well, everybody, a lot of people out there don't have a health problem yet. I mean, someday they will. But there's going to be more of this, we are not waiting. Uh, and amazingly, the, uh, they were able to hack into their devices and just put together a solution that interestingly has benefits that nobody had ever thought about. Mm -hmm. You know, like for instance, one of the top reported benefits of uh, the users of this thing uh, is that they sleep better. Hmm. Now, who would have ever proposed a clinical trial for any kind of diabetes-related anything where an, a primary endpoint was better sleep? Hmm. You know, but that's what happens when access to tools democratizes. Mm -hmm. People get to do things. You know, Clay Shirky, the Sure. internet guru, the first time I ever saw him speak at Connected Health Conference in 2008, said the patients in my cancer community, ACOR at the time, the patients on ACOR don't need our permission and they don't need our help. Mm -hmm. You know, and amazingly, today my oncologist says that the advice I got from them, uh, he believes, he even said it in the BMG, Jay, he, he believes that it helped save my life. Wow. He said, I'm not sure you could have tolerated so much medicine if you hadn't been so informed. So that my point here is there is a different source of value in the needs and thinking of the person who has the problem, the consumer, the patient, whoever it might be. Uh, and if you can find a way to connect to that, then that's real disruption because you're bypassing the inter intermediaries right. and going directly to the person with the need. So where can people uh, connect with you, follow you, learn more about you? ePatientDave.com. On Twitter. All and right. on Twitter, ePatientDave, and Facebook, and LinkedIn, and guess what my Skype is? ePatientDave? Dude. All right. All right. Great to see you, as always, and for everything you're doing to uh, you know, bring this revolution forward for patients. So Power you. to the people. Power to the people. Just like the 60s. <laughs> thank okay, you. Great. See you soon. Thanks.